Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome, everybody. It's the uh, Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. We do this show every weekend. On AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, always delighted when you join us. Uh, Alan Dempsey, once again, doing our engineering. Andrew Herdliska is our producer. Uh, Barry Malazzo joins us in this first half hour uh, from Fair Lawn, New Jersey. Uh, His new book is out. It's called All the King's Horses, Finding Purpose and Hope in Brokenness and Impossibility. Uh, Creation House is the publisher. Barry, so nice of you to join me, and I hope things are well. It's my absolute privilege to be on with you, Pat. Um, you have been an admirer. Um, I had mentioned to your producer, you're one of my heroes of the faith, uh, you know, for, for a long time now. So it's it's an honor to be on your program. Uh, thank you. Tell me about your book. Well, uh, the book is uh, an autobiography or a memoir, if you will, uh, surrounding the life of my brain-injured son. Mm-hmm. His name is Bryson. Uh, he was perfectly healthy uh, for the first eight months of his life and very precocious, even um, advanced uh, in all his milestones. Uh, uh, sadly, he was brain injured when he was eight months old. Uh, I don't dwell on this part of it in the book, Pat. He was injured through his vaccines. Um, he nearly perished at that time uh, when he survived. Uh, we were told that, and we were told that hospitals from Boston, New York, and Baltimore um, ran an endless regimen of tests on him, that, you know, this child is lucky to be alive. Uh, He uh, will not speak. He he will not walk. He will be educable only to very rudimentary levels. Uh, And one of the top doctors that we met with said, you know, you really should consider putting this child in an institution. Um, We refused to do that. And only God can decide those things uh, and make a, a long story short. And I know we'll come back to some of it, Pat. Um, you know, he did walk. He walked at 10. Mm-hmm. Um, after thousands and thousands of hours of arduous, torturous work, uh, he, he walked. Um, it's not a work of art to this day, and he's 29 years old. He's still uh, unstable, but he met that milestone. And he actually physically went on to play some sports. We had to modify them, but... You know, the passion of his life is sports. Mm. And he knows of you. He knows of the Orlando, Orlando Magic. And mm-hmm. He's all over the NBA and NFL and and, uh, uh, and, and you name it. We're, 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 we're a sports-oriented family. But that helped to drive him towards walking. Um, <clears throat> with respect to the speaking, he speaks just fine. You mm. would notice in about five seconds of conversation that you were speaking to a child. Um, I... Uh, read him golden books at night at 29. Uh, I sing songs to him. I come marching into his room in the morning to wake him up like Gaston, <laughs> one of his favorites in Sleeping Beauty. And uh, and we move on as we need to move on, but he does speak. And he he does, most importantly, know the one who said, you must become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom of God. He's got a very simple love for Jesus, 
uh, an authentic one. And sometimes, Pat, I think um, my faith is a little bit too complicated. My son gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows that we were created by Jesus and for Jesus. That's Colossians 1.16. And he also knows, uh, and part of my ministry, a big part of my book and ministry is Colossians 1.17. And in him, all things hold together. Mm-hmm. And that's my train wreck of a life as I care for my son, the impossibilities that he's faced, the impossibilities in any in the life of anybody in your audience, they are not too much for Jesus Christ. Nothing is impossible for him. But I do hasten to add and make this distinction as he leads anyone forward in the victory that uh, that is all about himself um, as creator, uh, an invincible Lord. Can we please allow heaven and Jesus Christ to define victory for us? And even my son, my, my childlike son, understands that Jesus didn't have a life that always looked victorious while he was in this world. In fact, there's nothing victorious about being tortured to death and bleeding to death on a cross. Uh, there's nothing victorious about laying in a tomb that is a doornail on Saturday. But my ministry is all about Jesus Christ because the story was not over. And the story wasn't over for my son, and I really would say the story is not over for anybody who's facing impossibility uh, anywhere, in your audience or anywhere, if they will turn to Jesus Christ, the Creator, and follow Him step by step, inch by inch if necessary, and see how He will lead them forward in a life of joy and peace and meaning and purpose. And I'll take a breath here, Pat, forgive me. Um, uh, Can he will often bring that purpose out of brokenness and impossibility, which is where the subtitle of the book comes from. Barry, how did you cope uh, during some of those difficult times? You you would have to feel powerless and angry and hopeless and frightened, I would think. How did you cope? Uh, Well, let me say amen to your question. Powerless, angry, hopeless, fearful. And I, you know, I coped by crawling, uh, pleading with the Lord for His grace. Uh, and coming to his throne, and thankful that it's a throne of grace, uh, and and that he will provide help and mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Um, Again, there's nothing, uh, not too much that looks apparently victorious in my story, uh, except the fact that the Lord has never left me, the fact that he's never forsaken me, the fact that he has given me a purpose and a hope that is eternal, and yet, you know, um, I, I, I'd like to reject um, shallow notions, Pat, of uh, the fact that we will not fear. Um, you know, there's much in this in Scripture that says, fear not, and that's very authentic. The Lord himself said that. However, David in Psalm 56 said, um, though uh, when I am afraid, not if, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in him. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Um, at the end of Psalm 27, I said, I, he said, um, <clears throat> wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. The anger, I'm just a guy from New Jersey, Pat, and it's like, you know, I grew up a, a skinny Italian kid. I did the best I could. I met the Lord uh, during my early teen years, but... <clears throat> I'm nothing special. When something can make you angry, it makes you angry. And, and, and there's a lot of things in here that happened to my son 
uh, abuses and bullying and you name it. It's all part of the story. And quite honestly, at certain junctures, I was lucky that I wasn't in jail based on what I wanted to do. But it was, Lord, please give me your grace. Please give me restraint. Please give me hope. Please give me peace. And he's never failed me. Uh, but as David said, I would have despaired unless I had waited upon the Lord. So, um, so yeah, all of those things, uh, all of those human things, we don't need to put them aside as followers of Jesus Christ. But he is the answer for those things. He will bring us forward. What is global brain damage? How does it occur? Oh, you know, when he was when he was vaccinated, when he was eight months old, uh, he had an autoimmune response against his own neurological system. It attacked his brain. And uh, I've had him brain mapped at Boston Children's Hospital and, and so many other studies done. Uh, and it simply means that damage had reached every region of his brain, the upper cortex, the frontal lobe, where reasoning and uh, emotions uh, are regulated, and uh, and so uh, there was there was damage replete throughout his brain, uh, but also pockets of wholeness. Uh, oddly enough, the brain is an amazing um, organ, and that's a good part of the story too. That uh, although someone has profound brain injury, as my son does, you can still work with the parts that uh, that are functional, and very few of us use more than depending on what study you believe, 10% of our brain. So if you have some parts of your brain that are, that, are, that are functional, you can work with those parts, and they can actually, the brain can be recircuited given the right input and the right stimulation with repetition and endless uh, uh, intensity and, and repetition after, month after month and year after year. That's the way we needed to <clears throat> approach uh, his uh, resurgence. Barry Malazzo is our guest We'll be back with Barry <clears throat> talking about his book, All the King's Horses, here on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950, WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Looking for more than just a job? Searching for a career path with a higher calling? With a company who wants you for your life skills as well as your job skills? Find a career you can believe in. Find your true calling at ChristianJobs.com. ChristianJobs.com is the largest Christian employment website with thousands of job listings in the Christian sector. Get connected with outstanding employers that share your values and understand there's more to you than what's in your resume. I've always wanted to focus my energies in the Christian community. Because, to me, having a career means more than just a paycheck. ChristianJobs.com allowed me to apply all my skills in a meaningful way. Find your true dream job today at ChristianJobs.com. I found not only my dream job, but my calling at ChristianJobs.com. Once you see the long list of quality job opportunities available, you'll never settle for just a job again. Visit ChristianJobs.com. ChristianJobs.com. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here on the new 950 WDLN. 
Tired of dentures that slip? Fed up with the gooey adhesives? <laughs> the taste and the mess? Yuck. Maybe you don't wear dentures, but you have a few teeth that are in need of replacing. Let me guess, the expense is holding you back, right? Well, we have your solution. Half-Price Dental Implants. Just go to AmazingRadioDeals.com and click on Half-Price Dental Implants. No gimmicks, no tricks, just fine quality implants so you can have the smile you've always wanted. And for half the price. Hurry, this offer will go fast. Log on now at AmazingRadioDeals.com for Half-Price Dental Implants. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Barry Malazzo is with us from Fairlawn, New Jersey. We're <clears throat> talking about his new book, All the King's Horses Finding Purpose and Hope in Brokenness and Impossibility. Tell me the specific ways, Barry, that families are impacted by a child with special needs. Well, Pat, it, it turns everything upside down. Uh, it it's, it's, it puts a strain on marriage. It help, it it it, uh, it it affects siblings of the injured child. Uh, it affects uh, and puts tremendous stress on every decision you make. Uh, the normal child goes to kindergarten. You just enroll in kindergarten. Now you have to figure out how are we possibly going to educate this child? How are we ever going to cause him to? To function? How are we going to get his tongue and his lips working? It's just every function of life needs to be addressed, and uh, there's endless therapy, there's endless work involved. Uh, and, you know, my story ends, Pat, um, with the impossibility faced by untold thousands of families, and with the rates of autism going up and up, it is really a staggering number. But quite honestly, parents, aging parents of children like this, and my son is 29, uh, we're, we're afraid to die. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned fear before. The Lord is the, the answer to it. He's always got a plan. He's never thwarted. But it's not like, you know, the greatest fear of most parents that, boy, maybe my child will die before I die. It's peculiar in a way, Pat, that you almost think, boy, I, I don't know if this kid can function after I, if the Lord takes me home. It would be a blessing if, uh, like in the notebook, we both went to heaven together. But that's where trust comes in. So, but there's lots that's turned upside down and fears and unending work and exhaustion for families like mine. What's the balance, Barry, between clinging to hope and accepting the circumstances? Great question. Uh, you have to do both. We cannot live without hope. And the distinction I, I um, make in my book is that you know, if you if you have a plan, if you have if you can see the solution, well, then you're not a candidate for hope. And, and Paul himself said, "Hope that is seen is not hope." Uh, we hope for what we do not see. So, if you have a hopeless situation, congratulations, you're a candidate for hope, and the Lord delivers on His promise of hope. And we we trust in Him for future grace, for a plan, for a step. We have to wait for it sometimes, but hope is always fulfilled the way the Lord defines uh, the solutions as we move forward and as we do not give up. And that's the, the, part, the second part of the question that you asked, I believe, Pat, which is, what do you do? Um, one of my heroes of the faith, uh, his name is Robert A. Cook. He used to be the chancellor of the Old King's College in ah, yes. New York. <laughs> uh, boy, what a man. Uh, I can't wait to see him in heaven. Um, Walk with the king uh, today and be a blessing, right? Oh, Boy, those words were a good way to start the day, weren't they, Pat? <laughs> but he also often said, faith 
trusts in God, and then does what it can in the face of impossibility. And the order is vital. Uh, we have to trust the whole thing and surrender the whole mess, the whole impossibility, and ourselves into his good hands, and then move forward and say, Lord, you know, just like you said in Isaiah 30, um, although I have given you the bread of privation and the water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind, behind you. This is the way, walk ye in it, whether you turn to the right or to the left. The Lord, for hopeless people, we need to make him that real. He is that real. Um, David said in Psalm 119, 92 to 94, if I had not loved your law, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. My translation is, David was saying, if this stuff wasn't true in your word, Lord, I'd already be dead. Mm. And I feel the same way, Pat, uh, and it is true, and that's the good news. He will always give us a way to move forward. We never give up along the way. We have an enemy that is just salivating to cause us to give up, and we can't do that. We, we must not. We must hope and move forward as the Lord allows us to move forward. Barry Malazzo is our guest. Barry, uh, what do you mean by we've been born into a battleground, not a playground? Imagine, uh, imagine uh, a, uh, a person walking across a battle zone thinking he was on a playground, and there's bu- bullets whizzing past his head, and he has no knowledge of the fact that he's in an active war zone. You'd be such a target. Um, you know, Jesus himself paid homage to the enemy, saying he called him the God of this world, little g. And he said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus, again, is the solution and always. But that doesn't mean we don't need to fight. Uh, and, and, and we need to become war-tested battle veterans uh, by uh, by taking each thought captive in our minds, by, uh, by trusting him. Uh, in, at, at every turn, he's a good general, and he will he will lead us forward. That doesn't mean we won't lose a battle. That don't, doesn't mean we won't bleed. That doesn't mean we won't get nicked or even shot. But uh, he will. But we know who wins the war, and we know he takes us home. And when he calls us home, there'll be no more battle the way we know it now. But there's an enemy who hates God, and he hates us if we belong to God. And for those who don't belong to God, he's going he, he's going to do everything he can to keep them from coming to Jesus Christ for salvation. That's a battleground, and uh, we need to know it. We need to be aware of it. Paul said, we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkest darkness, and all the rest of it. I don't pretend to understand all of that, and I don't need to, Pat, I don't think, but I do need to know there's an active war going on, and I need to, to entrust myself and my impossible circumstances against to Jesus Christ against an enemy who wants to thwart me, stop me, and cause me to give up and defeat me. Barry, here's one I want you to get into. Uh, This popular belief, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yet you say, whatever does kill you makes you stronger. Uh, I need you to expand on that. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you brought up that topic because there's... Death is nothing to be afraid of, but it's a reality in this world, and, and there, again, there's a solution. And I'd just like to read from you, and this is the theme verse, the theme passage of my book. Uh, Paul said, We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, 
so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, he in whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. Uh, you know, the Lord breaks us. He molds us like a master potter. Uh, it seems like it's killing us, what he's doing and allowing to happen in our lives at times. But Paul, a few chapters later, said something very peculiar. He said, death works in us, but life works in you. As we're broken down, and as that master potter breaks us, it's not that he's destroying us. It's that he's remaking us and causing us to do exactly what Paul said in chapter 1, the greatest so that lesson in all of Scripture, he despaired even of life, but these things happened so that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead. So culture would tell us, boy, we, we weathered this storm and that storm and that impossibility. It didn't kill us, so we're getting stronger. God tells us, no, you're getting weaker. You've got to rely on me. Don't look in the mirror and say, I got it covered. You don't. Jesus Christ, look to Jesus Christ. He alone uh, has it covered, and, and he, will, he alone will not fail you. So don't go on your own resources. Rely on his. Barry, you spend an entire chapter uh, talking about the importance of marriage. Uh, why? Well, you know, depending on what statistics uh, you buy into, Pat, um, the divorce rate is high, and for families with um, handicapped children of various kinds, autism or whatnot, brain injury, uh, it's up in the 80s. I do believe that statistic. Uh, I've heard up to 85%. Um, I believe that the only way that a marriage can hold together is in the power of Jesus Christ. I think the, the odds are stacked against marriages generally. Uh, I think the enemy who hates us and hates God hates marriage because it glorifies Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a depiction of Christ in the church. And so, sadly, my marriage did not hold together. Um, I suffered an unwanted divorce and became a single parent of three children many years ago uh, and needed to raise them on my own, including uh, a child who couldn't pay shoes, who couldn't toilet himself, who couldn't uh, cut his food and, and, and whatnot. And it was like, Lord, what in the world do we do now? And, and the Lord's answer was clear. You rely on me and you move forward with me. I, it's impossible for you, but this is another lesson so that you might not rely on yourself but on God who raises the dead. But I will tell you, the divorce nearly killed me, Pat. Uh, a wise pastor once told me, you know, here's, here's what you say about the divorce. It was unwanted, and there were no biblical grounds for it, and be scant on the rest of the details. Uh, but I can tell you that no marriage can hold together without Jesus Christ, in my view. And it gets back to Colossians 1.17. Uh, we were created by him and for him, and 1.16 and 1.17 says, and in him all, all things hold together. Does that not? Does all things not mean all things? Does it not mean also our marriages? We need to come back to Jesus Christ. Uh, I think in revival and repentance to see uh, our marriage statistics revive uh, in the church. You know, not so much in our culture, but in the church. Tell me about your two other children. What a blessing! I have so much to be thankful for, including in in, in Bryson. Uh, my privilege to care for him to this day. But uh, my son Tim. My youngest is married and made me a grandfather six weeks ago, ah. and uh, it just doesn't get better than that fat, as I'm sure you know. And uh, I, my, my, he, he works in Manhattan with his lovely, godly wife. Uh, and it's, thank you, Lord. What a gift. After all these years of struggle, 
beautiful gal and, and, and have a great life moving forward to serve you. My daughter works for the Lord in the Christian organization with her husband. Um, wonderful man. It's like, Lord, this is like hitting a grand slam. <laughs> Thank mm. you for these things. They're, they're, they're all serving the Lord and all doing well. Mm. It's widely believed, Barry, that God will never give us more than we can handle. Uh, do you believe that? Uh, you know, I, I, I think the truth is closer to the opposite of that, Pat. I think he'll almost always give us more than we can handle. And I, and I know people look to First Corinthians ten thirteen. He will not tempt us more than we are able to resist, and we need to turn in our temptations to the Lord, and he will give us the strength to endure. But I, I think that popular sentiment is a little bit different, and, and, and it, it works against the great so that message, so that we might not rely on ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Um, we we are not able to stand on our own. We need we need Jesus Christ. So, um, um, Pat, I, I, I think I, I think that uh, you know again, popular sentiment does not lead us to reliance on on Jesus Christ. And we need to lay aside humanistic principles and methods, which the enemy would love for us to remain in, because it's the power source of the guy in the mirror is very limited. The power source of Jesus Christ is eternal. He desperately wants to keep us away from the power and the joy and the grace involved in following Jesus Christ and being connected to him daily. Do you think your story will inspire others, people listening today, Barry? I I hope it will. You know, it, the, 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 my hero of the faith in the Bible is Paul, and he said, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, the passion of my life and ministry is to point people to him. Long after they forget the details of my story, I pray that they will remember I have to connect with and follow Jesus totally. And how are you doing there? You know, uh, again, depending on how you define victory, uh, the ending chapters of my book, uh, I'm very fortunate to be alive. I, and, uh, without even kidding, I thought I, it might be published posthumously. Uh, I've been through liver disease, a blood disease. Uh, I've collapsed very, very uh, dangerously and carried out of my house in an, in an ambulance. I, I, I believe I'm getting well. I believe the Lord will give me 30 more years. But whether it's 30 years or 30 days, Pat, uh, my theme now is Acts 20:24, as Paul said, I do not consider my life as of, of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And uh, I'm his for as long as he wants me, and, and I'm, I'm blessed to move forward pointing others to him. Well... It's been a joy to talk to you, Barry. Congratulations on your book. It's uh, powerful, and uh, I think it's going to impact a lot of people, and I'm glad that we could get together here on the radio. Praise God, and, and thank you again, Pat, for your ministry and your life of putting Jesus Christ out there. You have affected more people than you'll know until heaven. I'm convinced of that, and thank you for uh, your impact, and even like on people like my son, who just gets so excited when he hears people talk about Jesus Christ that are sports figures. Thank you, Barry. All the best to you. And uh, the book is called All the King's Horses. It's in bookstores now. Creation House put it out. We've got more right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. We've been hearing a lot about Uber lately. 
So we decided to get out there and talk to some actual Uber partners to get our questions answered. Is signing up to drive with Uber really hard? Nope. Signing up with Uber is super easy. It was simple and easy. Okay, but can I drive my own car? Yes, yes, yes. You get to drive your own car. But my roommate doesn't even have a car. Can she drive with Uber? They can help her get a car, too. I wouldn't be able to get a vehicle if it wasn't for Uber. It took me less than six hours to get a car. So you could just sign up and earn money. Sign up, drive, and you make some money. You're saying I can just use the smartphone app to make money whenever I want? Yeah, you just open the app whenever you feel like driving. All I have to do is turn on my phone, hit the road, and I start making money. Are the hours good? I work less hours and I make more money. I'm my own boss now, so I set my own hours. Okay, this all sounds pretty great. What do you think I should do? You need to sign up for Uber. You can make serious life-changing money when you drive with Uber. Get started today at drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drivewithuber.com. Just make it all stop for a few minutes. Help me, God. Three deadlines, four meetings. Uh, Looks like another late night at the office. Help me, God. I keep coming to these to forget my loneliness. So why do I still feel so alone? Help me, God. Help me, God. We all have moments where we feel we've reached the end of our rope. Discover freedom from anxiety, stress, and fear when you spend time in God's Word. Crosswalk.com is here to help you start living a life filled with joy and peace. Choose to read the Bible and talk to God each day. Receive free daily devotionals from well-known pastors and authors, including Max Lucado, John Piper, Charles Stanley, James McDonald, and more. Find the inspiration and encouragement you need for each day sent right to your inbox. Sign up at Crosswalk.com. That's Crosswalk.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Harry Malazzo, our guest in the first half hour from Fairlawn, New Jersey, uh, talking about his book, All the King's Horses. Uh, Paul Nyquist, he's the ninth president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. He's with us, and we're going to talk about his book, Prepare, Living Your Faith in an Increasingly Hostile Culture. Uh, Moody Press put the book out. Uh, Paul, nice of you to join me, and I hope things are well in Chicago. Well, thank you, Pat. The pleasure is all mine, and yes, things are well in Chicago. Uh, Paul, I want to talk just a minute about Moody Bible Institute before we jump into your book. Tell me how the school is doing. Well, we've, uh, it's doing incredibly well by God's uh, grace. We've been at all-time high enrollments, about 4,000 students across our system of campuses and more graduates than there ever before. So mm. it's a great time, and I'm just privileged to be able to serve here. Why would a young person uh, attend Moody Bible Institute, Paul? What would drive them to your school? Well, we are probably the premier Bible college in the country for training people who want to go into full-time Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. And so we draw from all 50 states, 62 countries of people who want to come and get equipped in biblical and theological training with a variety of other majors, such as biblical languages or pre-counseling or a variety of others. And, um, you know, they come here, it's called often the West Point of, of Bible colleges, because mm. you come here and you learn not only the Bible, but you also learn practical ministry skills in our environment here in downtown Chicago. 
What is your book about? What's that word prepare mean? Well, prepare is a book I, I, I've written, Pat, in the last year to help people, believers here in our country, understand and prepare for the, the culture that is rapidly changing, becoming much more hostile against the Christian faith, and how we need to live biblically and graciously in the midst of that. I believe that the culture has already reached a tipping point. I think barring uh, a revival that it, God might bring to this country, that we're going to see these trends accelerate. And uh, as I have traveled around the country, I have found that many believers are not ready for this, and they're not sure how we should live. And yet that's the New Testament experience. And so what I've sought to do is show how this happened in our country go into the Bible and explain the principles that we have here, and then give some hope at the end. The book has been endorsed, by the way, by Dr. Erwin Lutzer, Dr. Albert Moeller, Jim Daly, Janet Parshall, best-selling author Patrick Lencioni. Uh, some big-time names have gotten behind this book. Uh, by the way, wh- what is causing this persecution, Paul? I mean, why is all this revved up now? What's going on? Well, what has happened... Pat, in our culture is that uh, we've we've drifted away from our biblical roots. I mean, this country did embrace and support biblical values for the last 250 years. Um, but now, through a variety of things that have caused our culture to change, and I trace that in the first part of the book, mm-hmm. uh, we are now uh, facing uh, and in living in a, in a culture that is... Uh, you know, that does not tolerate that message anymore, that wants to silence that voice. And consequently, if we stand for biblical values, if we seek to support the truth of God's Word, we are going to face a hostile, antagonistic, and even persecution uh, in our culture. We've never gone through that before here. Around the rest of the world, yes, believers have been experiencing that since the very beginning. But in our culture, this is new for us. Your second chapter is called Crossing the Rubicon. Uh, what, what does that mean? Well, that means I believe that we have crossed that tipping point already, that we've crossed the point where you don't go back anymore. Again, God is sovereign, and we are praying that he would be pleased to revisit this land with a revival, and that would change everything. But if that doesn't happen, I believe the societal forces, the cultural changes are reached a point where we aren't going to go back to the good old days. Instead, uh, we are in a process, and I trace this in a cycle there in that second chapter on how culture changes, and we're already past that tipping point, and we're now in a point where our culture is assimilating these new cultural values and adjusting to it. And if we as believers do not embrace these new cultural values that are now being promoted by our society, um, we're not going to be welcome here anymore, and that's that's what I deal with here. We have crossed that Rubicon. We're probably not going back to the way things used to be. How does revival get started? Well, I believe that revival is a sovereign work of God. I don't think he, we can obligate him to visit our land, but if you trace through uh, how revivals have taken place in this country, and I do that in one of the end chapters of the book. I look through the different awakenings and the revivals that have taken place in this country, and there does seem to be at least some kind of a of a pattern that happens there. Um, there's always a time when there's a confession, a humble confession on the part of people, when they humble themselves and say, you know, we haven't been the kind of people that 
we should have been. We haven't been obeying your word the way we have been. And, and so there's, there's fervent prayer and confession as people just ask God, please touch our land. And I, and I think it's also a time when you start seeing, um, you know, some more bold evangelism take place. And when, when a land is parched and when there is persecution, we tend to close our mouths rather than speak out. But I think, you know, the, the, the first harbingers of revival are when you start seeing, you know, uh, some courage and boldness uh, among believers begin to emerge again. Instead of hiding in a corner, they begin to speak out boldly. So revival is something that God can, only God can bring. We can't manufacture it. Um, but I think there are certain things he might be looking for in our heart before he chooses to move, and that's what I'd be praying for here. Does it come down to one person, perhaps a D.L. Moody or a Billy Sunday or a Billy Graham? <laughs> well, if you look through history, uh, there has usually been a key person involved. I mean, mm-hmm. Dwight L. Moody was involved in a key one. Billy Sunday was involved in one. Billy Graham, they all have been. Um, I think they just end up being maybe uh, uh, one of the key forces, the key voices. Um, but God isn't dependent upon man. Uh, he will choose to raise up people, just like he did in the book of Judges, people who will be instrumental in leading uh, the country back. And uh, it may not even be somebody that we would anticipate. Uh, certainly Dwight O. Moody with his fifth grade education would not necessarily have been one we would pick out. Uh, but you know, we can only hope that that there is someone here in this country that God will choose to rally people with and around uh, to bring our country back to its biblical roots. Paul Nyquist is our guest, the president of Moody Bible Institute. We're talking about his new book, Prepare, Part 2, Paul, uh, Five Counterintuitive Biblical Principles. Uh, I want you to take them one at a time. Uh, normal, not strange. That's the first one you list here. Uh, what does that mean? Well, when we think of persecution here in this country, we think of it, this is strange. This is something we haven't experienced. What's wrong? And yet, biblically, uh, this is what's normal. This is what believers should anticipate. That's why uh, John writes, you know, don't think it unusual. Don't think, don't marvel when persecution comes upon you. Uh, So, uh, we need to have that perspective, a framework in which we go into this time frame, that this is normal. This is what we should be expecting, and this is what the rest of the world has been experiencing since the beginning. Second item, blessed, not cursed. When we go through persecution, it hurts. <laughs> There's, mm-hmm. It's hard. And we can tend to think that God has turned his back on us. Why is God maybe punishing us? And it's not that at all. We're this is a time of, of blessing. You know, Jesus says to us, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Uh, James says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. That means there is something God does in our life. He blesses us through that. And so we need to look at it that way, that this is something that is good for us, not something that is a curse or a punishment on us. Third topic, exposed not protected. Well, this is one that I found surprising as I did a thorough search through Scripture, and that is, I think when we go through a time of persecution, when the society becomes antagonistic against us, that we expect that there are going to be others who will stand up and defend us and protect us. Um, But what I have found in Scripture is that's probably not going to be true. We would maybe expect the government to protect us, because that is a biblical role, but 
You know, a fallen government usually does not. We might expect family to protect us, but Jesus says, you know, a father's going to turn against children, children against their parents. And we might expect friends to protect us. But even the Apostle Paul in his second imprisonment realized, you know, Demas has deserted me. Others have left me. Only Luke is with me. So I, what I'm saying in that chapter is we, as we go into this time frame, we need to expect that we're going to, it's going to get very lonely. And we may stand alone, but we're going to, we need to stand. Topic number four, Paul. Compassion, not anger. Yeah. You know, when we... Our brand is as bigots, when we have our rights taken away, when we are maybe persecuted in certain ways, our our natural desire is going to want to retaliate um, and to become angry against those who are harming us. And that's not the biblical pattern. Uh, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, uh, to show compassion toward them. And I believe that's the third way that God wants us to operate here, not all grace where we capitulate to culture, not all truth where we're antagonistic against them, but grace and truth where we're seeking to be, in a sense, countercultural and reach out to them with the grace of Jesus Christ. And then the fifth counterintuitive biblical principle, rewarded, not forgotten. You know, when we go through this time, and it's hard, uh, we can think that, you know, we have been abandoned. Um, does anybody know what I'm going through, this hardship and this suffering? Is anybody going to remember? And what we find in Scripture is that uh, God will understand and see all of this, and he will reward us uh, for what we have gone through. Uh, you know, Jesus says, blessed are those who revile you and persecute you. He says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. So there's an eternal perspective that we need to have as we go through this. Uh, this present age is not all there is. There is reward in eternity for those who endure persecution and stand strong. The book is broken down into three parts. Part one is the new reality. Uh, uh, we've discussed that with Paul Nyquist. Part two, understanding persecution, five counterintuitive biblical principles. And then in part three, Paul, reasons for hope. And the first reason for hope, you tell us, is God our help. So let's talk about that one. Well, when we go through a time of hardship and suffering, one of the, I think, the greatest things we can have to encourage us in that time is a recognition that our God, our triune God, is with us every step of the way. Uh, I, I bring out principles that show that our Father is with us because He stands, he, he remains on that throne. He is absolutely sovereign. He is aware of everything that's going on. And we can trust him that nothing is going to happen to us that is outside his control. The son uh, is by his side as the advocate before the throne, and he stands ready, as it says in Hebrews 2, to give us help and aid at the time that we need it. Now, Peter explains that he is our, our example of one who went through persecution yet did not revile in return. And then the spirit, he lives within us. Uh, he is our power. Uh, and then Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to say when you stand before them. Uh, the Spirit will give you the words to say at that moment. So it's so encouraging, I think, Pat, to know that our God knows what we're going to be going through, and he is going to be with us every step of that process. Second reason for our hope, an encouraging word from the persecuted church. Yeah, what I did there, Pat, was I wanted people here in our country to understand 
that um, there are some really good things that can happen individually and corporately in the church when you go through persecution. And so I uh, consulted with, I have a letter here written actually to the church here in America from uh, one of the leaders of the persecuted church in Pakistan, which, again, Mm. has gone through so much. Mm. And he explains all the, the difficult suffering and hardship that they've endured and it, it, it's it's graphic, but then he goes on to say, here are the good things that have come from this, how the church has been purified, how believers have been built up, and that's what I'm trying to show is th- there's some really good things that can come in our lives. We are discipled in a brand new way when we go through persecution, and that's what that chapter is intended to show. Paul, we need to take a break, and then when we come back, I want to talk with you about the uh, third reason for our hope, the hope of revival. Uh, Paul Nyquist is with us. He's the ninth president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. His new book out with Moody Press, Prepare. Uh, It's a good one. And uh, we'll have more with Paul right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. This is AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Tired of dentures that slip? Fed up with the gooey adhesives? <laughs> the taste and the mess? Yuck. Maybe you don't wear dentures, but you have a few teeth that are in need of replacing. Let me guess, the expense is holding you back, right? Well, we have your solution, Half Price Dental Implants. Just go to AmazingRadioDeals.com and click on Half Price Dental Implants. No gimmicks, no tricks, just fine quality implants so you can have the smile you've always wanted. And for half the price, hurry, this offer will go fast. Log on now at AmazingRadioDeals.com for Half Price Dental Implants. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace, Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at GraceImpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 950 WTLN. TLN. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had numerous credit cards, and I was struggling with paying them off because being a teacher, you don't make a whole lot of money. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-758-5360 to talk to a certified counselor. I had heard about Trinity, so I made the call. They took care of all of my credit cards, and now I am completely debt-free. Trinity will consolidate your bills. Stop collections calls, stop late fees, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. The people at Trinity are very friendly. They will do whatever you need them to do in order for you to feel better about being in a very difficult place. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-758-5360. My name is Ann, and I'm debt-free for keeps. That's 1-800-758-5360. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Paul Nyquist, the author of the book Prepare, is with us uh, from his office in Chicago. Uh, Paul, we've talked about uh, God our help and encouraging word from the persecuted church. Uh, now, uh, talk to us about the 10th chapter in your book. It's called The Hope 
of revival. Well, as I mentioned already, Pat, I believe that unless God chooses to send revival, that all these trends that we're seeing in our country today are just going to continue to accelerate, and things are going to get more difficult, not easier, that we aren't going to go back to the way things were. But there is always that hope of revival. Our God still reigns on the throne. And when revival comes, uh, it absolutely transforms culture. And that's one of the reasons I included that last chapter, just to show every time that revival has come, it has reshaped culture. Because when people's hearts change, their values change. And when values change, then culture changes. And most of the societal changes for good have come in response to the spiritual revivals that have swept across this country. And so I I close the whole book with this hope that God might still revisit this land and we might see this culture change back. And if so, I tell people, you aren't going to need this book. (laughs) You won't need to be prepared for a hostile culture because culture will change. Uh, And we can only pray and, and trust that God might be pleased to still do that one more time in this country. Paul, how should we be praying both for ourselves and for our country? Well, I think individually um, we need to be examining our hearts and make sure that uh, we have indeed humbled ourselves and we're dealing with sin, that we're dealing with obedience issues in our life. Um, I think as one person and another and another all get right with God in this way, that uh, there is a greater chance that God is going to be pleased to do something in this land. but we we need to be praying that um, that we're willing to stand strong in the midst of whatever might be ahead. Um, I get concerned when I travel the country again and talk to people um, because they're seeing some of these changes. Uh, it alarms them, as I think it alarms all of us. Um, but I, I, I see a natural tendency to just want to lash back and and to. Uh, be vindictive, uh, because uh, they are, this isn't right. This is in, in injustice in many ways. Um, but we need to be gracious and godly in the midst of that, and like, like our Savior was, who, again, was reviled but did not revile in return. I believe in doing that, that we have a chance to win people to Christ that maybe wouldn't be willing to listen, because they're going to see something in our life that they know is not natural, that can only be supernatural. And as Peter writes, he says, they will ask you about the hope that is within you because they're going to say, how can you do this? What is causing this? Tell me about this. And we need to be ready at that moment to seize that opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Paul, what goes through your mind when you read about, I mean, real persecution in churches in Egypt or Africa and uh, the Middle East. Right. Uh, did you ever think, boy, could I hold up under that, or could I handle that, or could I live through that? I I know I do. Well, none of us know <laughs> knows exactly mm-hmm. how we might respond at that moment. That's um, mm-hmm. that's something that uh, I, I I I question my own self. Am I going to be able to be brave and courageous at that moment? I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's why I, 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 one of the reasons why I want people to get into the biblical data on this, because um, there are reasons why we can have hope and be encouraged. Um, you know, the, 
the options that we have at that moment when we face persecution is, um, you know, we I think God wants us to stand firm, but one thing we can't be at that moment is, Pat, is be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, fear is not an option. Jesus says, you know, don't fear those who can kill the body, but fear only the one who can destroy both the body and soul. In other words, fear God. Don't fear men. God's in control. And uh, you know, I trust we can maybe, you know, be found faithful in that moment. But nobody knows. And uh, I, I think we're going to have opportunities to prove the metal of our faith at that time. Paul, what was your reaction uh, to the scene or the situation in Charleston, South Carolina recently, and how those uh, believers there handled things? Were you uh, moved by all that? I I was. I was deeply moved. What a tragedy. And, of course, that's a whole different subject matter as it relates to why those things are happening in our country. Um, I think it's more racial-related than maybe it is you know, um, culture related. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, antagonism against the faith, I think it's more related to race. But how those believers responded there when they said, we forgive, mm. we forgive. And that shows the reality and depth of their faith. And what a testimony. I, and having a chance for all of America to zoom in on one body of believers and see how they respond when uh, a tragedy comes their way. May we be able to demonstrate that same faith at that moment. How do you think the 2016 presidential election might fit in here with your book? Well, um, you know, ultimately, Pat, while I think that none of us need to abdicate uh, political uh, means and uh, societal issues, I think ultimately this is a spiritual issue in this country. And, um, I believe laws and culture reflect the, the values of people, and when their hearts have drifted, that's where the values go. So I think the way to see our culture come back um, is uh, by you know, seeing one after another come to a, a faith in Jesus Christ. Um, the political process uh, can maybe help mitigate some of this, but again, I believe we've already passed that tipping point. The tipping point comes when the laws are starting to be passed in our country. And as we uh, are seeing, the laws are coming very fast and furious now in support of some of these cultural changes. Can a, a new president or a new administration change some of that potentially? But uh, you know what we're seeing most of the time is that our politicians are capitulating to the culture and not seeking to change it. And so I think the changes in culture comes through God's people uh, getting right and leading it in a spiritual way. Dr. Paul Nyquist, uh, the ninth president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, uh, our guest, and the book is called Prepare, Living Your Faith in an Increasingly Hostile Culture. Uh, tell me uh, your reaction to David Jeremiah's forward for your book, Paul. Well, David Jeremiah was very kind to... Um, write a forward uh, for the for the book and uh, he says something at the very beginning where he says you know people ask me you know do you believe that uh, god is done with america and he says i don't think god's done with america but i think america is done with god mm. um and um so uh he he i think uh, resonates with uh the, the message of the, of this book, and that we're seeing um, 
um, trend after trend move forward in this in this in this country, which is is hostile. It's antagonistic to where we've been, and it's so different for those of us in have been around for the last 30 to 40 years who are baby boomers. You know, we've seen the change. My children and, ch- and grandchildren growing up, this is all they're going to know. And so how will they operate in a culture that is pagan, that has no biblical paradigm? Um, that's where we need to get ready and prepare now. Paul, it's great to visit with you. You've got 30 seconds to talk to young people listening on why they should go to Moody Bible Institute, okay? Fire away, Paul. <laughs> If you want to get the finest biblical and theological trained to serve your Lord, wherever that may be around the world, uh, the Moody Bible Institute is often considered to be the gold standard for such training. We have 41,000 graduates all around the world serving Christ. The sun never sets on a Moody graduate because they're serving in virtually every country of the world. We invite you to consider the Moody Bible Institute here in Chicago. Paul, a million thanks, and I wish you all the best. Thank you, Pat. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Paul Nyquist, our guest. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Stay with us, and we'll be right back uh, after a wonderful visit with uh, Dr. Paul Nyquist. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Is shopping for a used car or truck wearing you down? Are you looking for a low-mileage, dependable vehicle but don't want to break the bank or have an eight-year loan that feels like a mortgage? Here at Blue Book Cars, we can help. With over 125 used cars, trucks, minivans, and SUVs, we have the kind of inventory that you need and can afford. The majority of our vehicles are in the six dollars to $16,000 price range, although we have some above and below. With financing starting as low as 1.7% with good credit being offered, your dollar buys so much more. So why buy an old beater? And if your credit is damaged, and in this economy it happens, we can help and still get you a reasonable interest rate. So visit us today at bluebookcars.com or stop by our large dealership in Sanford since 1975. That's bluebookcars.com or call 407-321-0741. Blue Book Cars, we save you money and time. Remember, when you buy a car, mention this ad and Blue Book Cars will donate $75 to your church's building or mission fund. Blue Book Cars is a member of the Orlando Tides Network. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here for the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. Uh, Barry Malazzo, a very moving story uh, in the first half hour, talking about all the king's horses. That's the name of his book. And uh, raising his son. Uh, and then Paul Nyquist, the... Uh, president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, with a powerful book called Prepare. So glad that uh, both of those guests joined us. Uh, I'd like you to visit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, please check out my most recent book. It's called 21 Great Leaders, uh, a chapter on 21 leaders that really impacted the world. Uh, That book is in uh, bookstores right now. And Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order books. Uh, Have a great day tomorrow in church with your family and a wonderful week ahead. And we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN.